Hello and welcome back to another episode of Yoga After Dark. Today I have a very, very exciting guest. Her name is Louise Ellis and she is very near and dear to me and she's very near and dear to many of my students as well. She is a teacher of mine. I met her in Rishikesh, India, oh, I don't know, six, seven-ish years ago, something like that. She is a mother, she is a grandmother, she is uh, one of a handful of women that was certified by Patabi Joyce to teach this lovely Ashtanga Vinyasa yoga system that we have. And she is, she's just an all-around uh, fabulous lady. So very happy to have you. Hello, Louise, how are you? I'm great, thank you, Michael. <laughs> great so let's, I can't see you in person right now I know it's really sad and and you know you were supposed to be here for my birthday at the end of this month oh um, and uh and now you're not going to be so I'm gonna have to figure out you know I had really uh taken the burden off my birthday by having you here instead now I have to figure out like something else to do with my life oh yes well <laughs> I'll be wishing you a happy birthday from here. <laughs> why? Why? Thank you. Month, huh? In the late that same weekend that I was coming. Yeah, yeah, the twenty fifth of May. Yeah. Oh well, happy birthday in advance. Why? Thank you. So we were just a. So Louise is exactly uh, thirty years older than I am. Oh, I was going to ask you how old you were, but I know because you're Maria's age. You're yeah, my daughter. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, and she has, uh, you've been practicing yoga for longer than I've been alive. Yeah, it's about 50 years now. Yeah, so, so good on you. Very, I, I think maybe I should be further along after 50 years, don't you? <laughs> where, depends on where you're setting your goalpost, I think. Oh, pretty high. <laughs> so, so tell me, Louisa, how, how was yoga back then? Like, how, how was practicing yoga back, back in the day? It was, um, it was sweet. It was really ashram-centered and selfless service-centered, and there was no glitz and no glam to it at all. So it was all like you went, and you did your karma yoga, and you did your asana class, and you did your meditation. It was sweet. It was really, there wasn't any money involved, so I think um, that made it kind of different than it is now it wasn't a business at that point there were only two or three people teaching all older indian gentlemen you know mm -hmm. um in the united states you know there was yogi bhajan swami vishnu uh Satchinananda. a little later iyengar not mm -hmm. when i first started so you know very it was a very different kind of suite uh for yourself bhakti-centered kind of experience, at least for me. Great. And so what, what brought you to, to Ashtanga out of all that? Because you didn't start with Ashtanga. Oh, no. Uh -uh. I didn't start with that. I started with Shivananda and um, with Swami Vishnu Devananda. And then uh, there were some years of Iyengar-influenced yoga, a lot of alignment influence. And that was maybe in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And uh, so right at the end of the 80s, or maybe 1990, I came 
and found I stumbled over Ashtanga in, mm -hmm. in LA. And that was how it started. But I think the other practices I did really like prepped me up for being ready for that. I don't, I'm not so sure if I had seen it when I started at 18, if it, if, if it had been around, it probably was around somewhere that, um, if I had seen it, I would have been attracted to it. I, I wasn't really, uh, I'm not very physically oriented generally. I mean, I wasn't like a sporty person or competitive person either. So I think it would not have appealed to me as like a real thing, you know. I had to have the preparation. Hmm. And so what, then what uh, drew you, I guess, I don't know if drew, drawing drawing away is the right uh, terminology but what took you from one practice and and moved you into the ashtanga system it's an it's an evolution you know i i think what suits you at one point in your life it's going to change over that many years so i kind of had it going in decades like a decade of this a decade of that and it would evolve and in the Iyengar alignment-based stuff, I liked it, but it was way too linear for me. I didn't relate to it as much as there were a lot of rules, you know. So when I first saw Ashtanga, I was really happy. You could be as flexible as you wanted, not get yelled at for it. Uh, it was disciplined, but it was also really, uh, to me, light and free. So, so I was immediately taken with it the first, from the first class. Hmm. So you, you talk about this uh, evolution and things uh, changing and, and also like what we need changing over time. Oh, have, you, <clears throat> have you seen uh, change in the actual system, in the actual Ashtanga system over time? Because you've been doing this for... I mean, you know, like technically I've seen a few poses put in and, and different things like that. But moreover, I've seen the entire shift of focus happen in Ashtanga from it being very uh, open, accepting. Uh, the type of people that were doing it were very open-minded, very free people to being sort of uptight and um, uh, anal. <laughs> <laughs> And really about me and how I look. And I don't think it was like that. I know it wasn't like that when I started. Okay. And so it's kind of turned. But, but on a technical thing, if you're talking about just what awesomeness, there's been a few changes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been just a, there's been a few changes in awesomeness just in the time I've been practicing. Which is yeah. I mean, there, there's been different transitions and, and things and more emphasis on the vinyasa and fancy vinyasa and, and all that stuff. Um, definitely. And a couple of poses that were not there that are, that are now there, you know, or a change in order in some of the advanced poses possibly, mm -hmm. but yeah, more, moreover, there's just been a general change since, uh, since Guruji is not here anymore. Yeah. I think that is, uh, when you talk about the, the change from this, uh, openness and and lightness into a kind of a more i don't know in intenser like physically focused or um kind of egocentric uh way yeah. of doing yeah. things one of the things that really drew me to to you um those years ago in rishikesh 
was that I, I could go and just and just practice with you in this small little space for four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever. Right. That seemed so special to me where I feel like so many other people were yeah. going around yeah. doing this workshop or that workshop or this little set yeah. of classes or anything. Uh, well, that's how I learned it. You know, that was how we learned it in, in uh, originally in, in India. It was very small. And that was, re and very accepting, like people were welcoming, you know? Mm. And uh, so to me, that's the more natural way to practice it. And it, it had become, uh, yoga in general had become a sort of thing by <laughs> even the time I, I think I had a few good years in Mysore before, um, you know, in Lakshmipuram, before it changed. At the old Shala. and yes. the the, or what we, I guess the, the, the shala I'm used to practicing in is now the old shala because Sharat has his new space. And so the right. Lakshapuram shala is like the old, old. Yeah, that's the one. And, and it was um, around that time, even before they moved, maybe in the last year of being in Lakshmipuram, or people that were there before me have told me they already had noticed it starting to change and rapidly I started to see it change and then they moved and then it was completely changed but yoga in general not just ashanga had changed it's uh, I, I don't know how you would put it it's um, motivation by that time become big business and become and then it, it, it intercepted with all of this online stuff mm -hmm. so then it, it was very very easy to um, to make a drama about yourself, <laughs> you know, and to start doing puja in the mirror, but then you could do puja in the mirror and like put it online so that everybody else could do puja uh, along with you to yourself. <laughs> so that's kind of, it kind of coincided with it becoming the time when it's, you know, you're famous for being famous and everybody can be a star and everybody can, you know, it, it just, uh, cla you know, just collided like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lot of stuff. We now have, we now have this giant yoga industry. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which was not, which just simply wasn't there. It wasn't there. I mean, there were people who had a lot of money who could buy like full page stuff in Yoga Journal um, and sort of, but it was much, much harder to saturate media with yourself. And see, now everyone has, has it on Instagram. They have a YouTube channel. No offense, Michael. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't take any. It's, you know, it's, it's part of my business. <laughs> thing that, you know, a lot of people have said to me, why don't you do that? I, I, because it just isn't what I want to do. It, well, and you do have an Instagram. It's just all your grandkids. <laughs> just, yeah, and I have very few people on Instagram. It's a private account. And um that I did that because my my kids were on it, but also because Facebook had become full of people that I didn't know and probably didn't want to know. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. thousands of people. And I just stopped, I pretty much have stopped using um, social media. I have social media accounts, but yeah, I very, very rarely will post pictures on either one of them and more on Instagram where there's a smaller group of people. Mm -hmm. um, I don't do promotion on them except for maybe if there's a workshop, I might put it up like when I was going to come to New York. So I think I put that on Instagram that you had yeah. done. If somebody else does the media, I'll put it up. But yeah, I'm just not interested in that. And actually, I never have been interested in that. So you probably picked that up in Rishikesh. I did. Uh, actually, you know, I picked it up. In Rishikesh and they would be like, how come you don't have a bigger school? How come you don't make a bigger deal out of it? And I was like, because I don't want to. Mm -hmm. it's hard because for one thing I'm a terrible business person so the I, I'm a horror I'm not into capitalism I really am not into it as a system so mm -hmm. so um, you know making money is the point for right. most people it is the point you know for corporations and so forth <laughs> it is for the shareholders it is for you know it's a corporate situation but for me I never wanted to do that in um, it, it doesn't interest me and it, and it detracts from it's such a personal thing yoga you know and so if, if you have a few people who relate to you I mean that's what you're doing with it I mean it has and that helps your evolution their freedom and your freedom and otherwise it becomes something completely different so yeah. and it's hard to have that relationship with someone if there are so many people involved yeah it's really really difficult and and uh and especially now where it's become a commodity like if i can't get what i want from you then i'm going down the street and i'm going to comparison shop it's become you know it's kind of just what the society is it's a it's a um acquisition society and you're going to acquire this from this person and that from that person. And what's in it for me? And it's all about me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So this is just the culture we have in the modern world. I mean, it's not even Western or Eastern so much. It's just modern. You know, we're, you're, you're brought up to do that. You're brought up on the individualistic uh, paradigm. And it seems to me in... In, in yoga, we should be firstly looking to kind of let go. Absolutely, of, you know, absolutely. Image and, and uh, uh, storyline, letting go of the storyline. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a hard time with that personally. You, you know? do? Yeah. yeah, I think it's because we're not uh, brought up to do that. We're brought up to create the storyline. From You're trained in storyline. So, so it is uh, not a natural thing for most people. But the story of um, your drama, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it never fails to amaze me, like how people will post blogs about their dramas. And it's <laughs> be like interesting to anybody else. <laughs> Maybe your best friend or your family member it could be interesting at times, but I mean, is that interesting? I mean, I just don't think it is, and I think it kind of goes with the whole idea of non-self and um, you know, or bigger self as opposed to this drama story of this particular incarnation. That's how I feel about it, anyway. So yeah, yoga is a means to get away from that 
but sometimes in trying to do that, we get, we get caught on the razor's edge and lose it a lot of the time, where it just becomes an, an amplification of the story of me. You know? and, I, I really like uh, that, what you just said, an amplification of the story of me. That's, yeah. Yeah. that's very interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's like I'm the star of my story, right? You know, Ram Das and Ram Dass and all the Das people, they talk a lot about that. You know, the movie of me and that I think Krishna Das talks about. Mm-hmm. And it's really true. I mean, and that's, been, that's sort of been brought to the, the head in modern society. In yoga, but also in other things, you know, where everybody is creating this sort of alternative version of themselves on social media, et cetera, et cetera. Or in life, mm-hmm. you know where, you know, everything is fine, death isn't coming. (laughs) You know, we're going to ignore that. My life is beautiful. And we create imagery around it. It's a lot of imagery, you know. And so a lot of times it's not that hard to get caught in your own um, story or your own press, you know, believe your own press kind of thing. It's a, it's a bit like a, uh, like a split personality disorder. Yes, it, it is. And then what ends up happening if you're a teacher is you end up not being able to pass to your students what is the real situation while you're practicing. Mm. If you get so caught up in it as a teacher, and, cre- and it, part of it is you create dependence on the, of the students on who they think you are, even though that's not who you are. Mm-hmm. And... So it's it's a vicious cycle. Then they decide they should teach and pass that whole uh, sort of rat race, uh, hamster cage thing on. Yeah. And and sometimes uh, teachers do realize it and they can kind of extricate themselves. And but a lot of times they don't realize it and they start believing that without me because I am more in like I am enlightened I am you know I am the person you want to be like and so a lot of the the media around uh, teaching yoga is about that it's about do you want to be like me <laughs> you know I, I, hope, I, I hope my students aren't looking at me and saying that because that would that would be a great giant mistake oh, on their right. part I can tell you that there's a lot of that yeah well I think as long as the teacher sees it and and um, maybe even tells them that, if not tells them models that you really don't want to be in my life. <laughs> you know, I have a lot. I think teachers should like uh, present as uh, just normal, screwed up human beings that they are. Yeah, because that's what we are. Yeah, um, yeah and and because people are going to tend to put you in another category, and they're going to do that even doubly if you're creating that category of imagery around yourself. You know. And I, I mean, all of my teachers throughout my life, now that I'm, you know, thinking back and, and you get to be included in this group, um, they're, they're all, uh, you know, kind of messed up human beings. Um, and, uh, and, and that's something that I really appreciate, actually, about, about the student-teacher relationship is that I, I get to know that my teacher is just is just a human and a being just like me. They yes. have their their issues, and I look at them and say, "Well, you know, in my experience, my teachers have been older than I am. I am now, you know, at a phase of my life where I am younger than some of my students." But uh, 
But, you know, I look at my teacher and just say, like, this person has more experience doing this thing that I'm trying to do and has some advice to give me. But there's, I, I don't know, I've never, I've never fallen into this idea that, like, I'm following an enlightened master or something like that. No, and unless they're claiming to be that, um, in, in which case you should get out of there. Um, right, just run real fast. <laughs> But, but, you know, like, say, with Guruji, I mean, he never claimed to be that or the perfect person. So it's always weird to me that people think that he should have been the perfect person. You know, that's your own projection, you know. I mean, yeah, and I can remember the first time I had an argument with him and it had to do with money. And <laughs> that he had his stuff and that was all right. And that I wasn't coming to him to learn how to deal with money. <laughs> to money. I was coming to him for a specific reason. Now, I think you have to look at your teachers like that, you know, but what he gave me was immeasurable. Right. It's immeasurable. But yeah, I mean, it, but I think we have a tendency as human beings to put people in the place where maybe God should be. <laughs> should yeah. Be a mistake. yeah, it's always a mistake because we're all here uh, going through our Parabdha karmas. It's what we're here doing. Yeah. So if in this life, if, if in this incarnation we can move the needle just a little bit, then it's a life well lived, you know? So those people are also doing that, the people who are your teachers, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, all of my teachers have been human, you know? <laughs> except the ones that aren't human who are not, who are actually not in human incarnations, <laughs> actual deities, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, given, uh, you know, the, this whole yoga industry that we find ourselves in right, right now, mm -hmm. and also, uh, what we just talked about of, you know, there are definitely like people out there that are, that are very consumed in their own faux enlightenment. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, whether, whether they're claiming to be enlightened or whether they're just claiming to be particularly awesome. Yeah. Um, most of them are claiming to be particularly yeah. awesome. Yes. So uh, as a, as you, as a very, very long term practitioner what what advice would you have for someone who's just starting out in the in the yoga world uh i think i would i would give the advice that you know whenever you meet somebody new you don't know who you're dealing with mm. like there's aspects of them where they might be your student but there's also aspects of them where they could be your teacher your mother your father your mm. friend whatever so, so don't, you know, like don't pigeonhole either the teacher or your students as being who don't superimpose a story on that. You know, that's one piece of advice, I, I would say. The other is just authenticity. Mm. Be real with yourself, first of all, and be real with the people you deal with. And be there for people. I mean, like, be open-hearted enough to be there for people when they're having a hard time, whether that's somebody that you think shouldn't be having a hard time or not. We all are having, we're all subject to 
uh, life and life is hard. So, you know, I would say go into your practice and don't deify the people around you. Learn from the people, love the people, but don't deify. Mm. Because, you know, I, I think we all start out, like I think, wanting to be like our first teacher. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, otherwise we probably wouldn't go. And that's all right. But you, you do have to keep growing up, you know, throughout your life. Mm. So, and if you're, if you're starting it at a really late point in life, you should already have probably learn some of those lessons just through living. But a lot of us start really young, and so we're, we're naive. And, um, like, I, I know that when I first started going to ashrams, I thought everybody there was holy people. <laughs> <laughs> I was quickly disabused of that notion. Oh, good. <laughs> hey, don't walk on the keys. It's my cat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go away. <laughs> Great. And then um, since, since we went through, uh, uh, you know, someone just starting out, do you have any advice for someone who's been doing this for a long time? Maybe someone who's been doing this for over a decade or two decades and might... Yeah, just keep, my advice there is just be open to what, however it evolves. Don't get stuck in, in an idea of what your practice is and what that is and how you believe, because those things will evolve and change. You know, so, so yes, I mean, have your discipline, but be open to it evolving a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people get really attached to, well, it used to be like this, and I used to feel like that, and this is the most important part of my practice, and uh, that could change. It will change. There is nothing except change in life. Right. I know that it's certainly changed for, you know, for me over time. I always, I, you know, I joke with people, uh, cause I've, I've hosted you several times now yeah. and, yeah. uh, and I've also gone to, uh, to Paris when, when oh, uh, yeah, and Nico hosts you as well. And so I've assisted yeah. with that stuff and whatever, whatever. I've spent some time with you uh -huh. and, um, and you are teaching and I've assisted you in it. And I always joke with people, I'm like, now watch, when I do my practice, like Louise, Louise won't even touch me. She like, she'll just like pretend I'm not there or she'll come over and just whisper little things in my ear and then walk away. <laughs> you know, I'm usually like making a joke. Yes, I, I, I love it. I love it. And I it, hung over today or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because sometimes, I mean, sometimes I am hungover that day, and you know, because you were drinking margaritas. Yeah, I, I think that, um, like, like with with uh, Guruji in the old chala. I mean, I didn't get adjusted a whole lot, and my take on that was like, if you don't really need the adjustment, it, you know, there's there's gratuitous adjusting, and then there's adjusting that you need to do. Maybe. And yeah. so, my I'm pretty hands off a lot mm -hmm. of the time. And I do talk to people, which is sometimes annoying for some people and other people in the room. Like, I just sit down and talk to somebody, you know, personally to them, quietly, you know. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is so important, because when I have had you come teach in, in my shala, um, in my program, what, what I get back from my students at the end is, oh, well, Louise 
said this and da 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 and we had this whole talk da, 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 and I'm sitting there going, when the hell did you do that? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> kind of make my way around the room and sort of relate to them one-on-one, you know, as, yeah. as the case may be, rather than just sort of being an, an automaton, you know, kind of doing adjustments and, you know. I like to keep the group small, even though it's bad for business and bad for my income or whatever. I don't really care, you know? Yeah. I don't don't care. That's one thing about me that's kind of um, uh, an oddity. One of the many things that's an oddity about (laughs) me, maybe, but is that I really don't care about money. I never have. I just don't care. I should care because I get in trouble not caring, but I don't, and I can't make myself, and at this point in my life, so, so I mean, I'd much rather have a class, which is like very small, but very people that I relate to and that relate to me, than having a packed class of people that I don't know who they are, they don't know who I am. It's all automatic. It's all about the bottom line. It's all about, do you want to be me? No, you don't. So, you know, this is kind of what yoga's turned into, and it's, it's an economic thing partly. But, yeah, I, I prefer to have really small groups. Like, for instance, if you do a yin class in a huge group, it's really difficult. Right. And pranayama ditto. You know, how can you do a, a huge pranayama class that's not really lame? Because to give pranayama to somebody you have to see – uh, it's so, so personal to what to what they do. Like the type of pranayama that I do is completely different than maybe I would teach somebody. Right. Because it has to do with my own practice, which which has to do with, you know, where, where the moon is and the nakshatras and so forth, which maybe they do relate to and maybe they don't. Mm-hmm. Maybe this mantra is not appropriate for this person, but, you know, because I do a lot of mantras. So... These are things that are highly personal, and unless you know somebody, um, you know, you can give them, you know, breathe in, breathe out, and all this, this, but, I mean, if you're going to give a really deep sort of, because people often will ask me, well, what's your personal uh, puja or your personal um, pranayama or your personal mantra practice? And my answer is usually that I could, you know, it probably would be meaningless to you. Right. Because you're a completely different person with a completely different setup in your life than I am. So, mm-hmm. you know, if that makes sense. So, so for that reason, I really like it when people come and study. That's why I'm not crazy about like weekend workshops generally, because you don't really get to know anybody and you're just kind of in and out of there. Whereas if they come to you for six weeks, eight weeks, mm-hmm. every day, not only does that little group solidify, but you solidify with them. Mm-hmm. So it's not a very practical advice, for sure, for <laughs> making money and paying rent. But it's, it's definitely how I've always felt. And I would rather not teach than to turn, in, turn it into that sort of corporate thing. I fully, I fully agree with you on that. And I remember when I you know, when I wanted to host you for the first time, I was like, okay, how can I convince her to do this? Because I know that usually you don't, you won't go anywhere for less than a full week. Yeah, generally that's true. And I could give you, you know, like four or five days, something like that. And 
I'm in New York City where the rent is high. And so exactly. I have to charge some sort of premium on the whole thing and figure all that out. And then, and then you were like, let's have, maybe we could have like 12 people or something like that. And yeah. I was like, Louise, how am I going to pay for I know, the 12 I know. people? It's <laughs> for me to even to consider that, but I, I like it better. You know, I really, really do. I just like it better. Me too. I think it's such a, a personal part of my life that, um, I mean, I would rather have to do something else to make money. Mm -hmm. or Which you have. Which I have done many things in my life, you know, to make money. Um, I would rather keep that as more of a sacred thing. That's just how I feel about it. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so, yeah, I mean, well, we made it work when I came, you know. Oh, totally, yeah. totally. And I don't mind there being more people, but it, it has to be like you would, you assisted and had other people assisting and, um, you know, that was great. So that, because also for me, it's another quirky thing. I think that it takes a while to get to know me. I'm just not that person that walks in and goes, here I am. And wow, don't you just love me and let me tell a few jokes and do a monologue. And, you know, it's just not who I am. So pr pretty much people are a little bit confused when they first meet me. <laughs> I mean, in yoga or outside of yoga. So it takes a while for the connection to kind of happen, you know. Yeah. That could be that uh, Vartogama uh, Saturn on the Ascendant. <laughs> could be that I, I don't know what it is but I've always feel like you know myself it takes me a minute to connect to them and them a minute to connect to me yeah they're a little confused at first because uh, uh, what I've understood is that most people don't have a frame of reference for mm. me you know <laughs> particularly so so I'm not fitting into the um, their category right away I'm not very talkative at first although you might not know it now but you know like when you first met me I probably didn't talk to you a lot well that you know it's an interesting story when I first met you because it mm -hmm. was me and my best friend we were in you know came up to Rishikesh we oh, had already right. been in India for two months you were so adorable you too oh thank you and we were, uh, we were pulling our hair out because, you know, we were practicing in like hallways and, you know, alleyways and guest house rooms, wherever the hell we were. And we were always trying to, we were so tired of each other that we were always trying to practice in separate areas and at different times. We were times. a budget trip too. I mean, it wasn't like you were flowing along with... No, we weren't in the Hilton. No. <laughs> and... Uh, but I remember we came in to your to your flat there in Rishikesh. <laughs> and and, and it was the downstairs one, which was really dismal. Yeah. yeah and you really yeah. and you looked at both of us and you said, Oh, you must be Michael and and we were both like, Who the hell is this woman and where did these superpowers come from? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't know how I knew that, really. I don't know. Don't remember, but I, yeah, no idea, but uh, that was, yeah, that was my first introduction to you, was you just, you just knew who I was when I walked in the door, and I was like, ah, what's going on? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, yeah, so if, if people have been doing this for a while, like, say, particularly for teachers, um, I mean, you have to be 100% who you are, and you are, 
when you teach. I, I think I, so. Yeah. You're 100% who you are. And it could be 100% different from somebody else. It is 100%. And some people don't like the 100% of who I am. And, yeah, and that's fine. And I have to be totally fine with that. And yeah, I can just... You have to be totally fine with it. Many right. people, I mean, you know, I never take it personally when people just go, you know, I don't understand what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Like, I just don't get it. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's fine, you know, because it's just like in any other part of your life. Not everybody's going to just be enthralled with you. Yeah. So, but it's so important that you don't try to uh, make them like you. Well, and we need to get out of this habit of trying to be liked by people, I think. It's so disastrous, yes. It's a and I think... Personally, I, the way I see society moving, we're moving in a direction of like me, like me, like me yeah, more. It's part of the self-created image thing, you know. All of that uh, imagery we do around the self is, is to make uh, an image that somebody will like. And whenever you're upset with somebody, if you really look at it, I think you'll see it's because they've somehow attacked that image that you put up. They've mm -hmm. called it out, called bullshit on it or something. Mm -hmm. you know, they've called something on it and you 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 know that's that's it is a like me like me culture that's yeah. what all social media is about it's about i'm going to present myself in a way that you just have to like me and want to be me and my life has got to look much better than it really is because if somebody really knew how it was they wouldn't like me and so i guess um you know, I think that's so important for teachers because people will be like, well, I don't want to do this, but they won't come if I don't do that. And I'm like, well, then don't, then they don't come. Yeah. But that's, that's like, you know, that I'm a bit of a misanthrope so. <laughs> <laughs> and a real loner. So for me, I mean, my whole life has been like, I don't really, I mean, I, I, it's much nicer to be liked than not liked, you know, just generally, but I don't really, uh, how to put it? I just I don't. If somebody doesn't, then I feel like that's their that's their prerogative not to. Right. I, mean, I don't. I mean, I don't want to convince them otherwise. It's not it that I don't mind if they don't <laughs> like. You know. I mean, why would you mind? I I don't know. Yeah, this is true. But uh, you know, honestly, from a personal standpoint, like there is always kind of for me um you know a little bit of like oh they they don't like me why don't they like me like shouldn't i feel like i'm trying to you know be a good person blah 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 whatever it is and then yeah. it's not when it's not received you're a little bit like oh well what is my fatal flaw <laughs> yeah. but it, usually it's so much about that person you know yeah having a hard time and that that's what it's about it, it generally has nothing to do with you Mm -hmm. They don't like you or like you even. If they like you, it, it usually has something to do with you. And anyway, who are you? I mean, that's, that's really the point of yoga. It's like you've created, you create this image. But for teachers, it's doubly uh, hard because you really are creating and there is expectation. Yeah. This person is like this and this person will help me. And, you know, people enter yoga with all kinds of uh, preconceived notions about it which I feel I was really lucky going into it as a really young person because I have zero uh, 
notions about it at that yeah. time. You know, now it's a thing and people go into it and they've heard about it and they're- They excited. already have a storyline for the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they either really like it or they don't and it's, yeah. When so, I think a lot of times people don't like it if whatever is offered doesn't adhere to the storyline that they've already. Oh yeah, no, I, I've had people really not like him, <laughs> so you know, and let me know, you know. Um, <laughs> the one lady came to Rishikesh. She, she was like, uh, I won't use any names or countries, but she was like, you know, I just this just isn't what I what I expected and you're not who I wanted and you know I said well that's cool but um you know you're here now so your choice is like either you can finish up and and just get what you can out of it or you can leave yeah fans refund you know no yeah of course <laughs> you can, but but it was so clear to me that it was all about her stuff mm. mm -hmm. and even the guy she was seeing who was also in my class came to me and goes, you know, she's got stuff. <laughs> I said, I know it's not about me, but to see that happens. So, so, you know, people sometimes will come wanting one thing that's going to fix their life. And when it doesn't, or you're not their image, because it's, you know, it's just a really, um, that whole image thing is what yoga is supposed to count even for you, your image of you. Right. You know, story about you. Uh, but you said like story, letting go of the story is hard for you. Like you don't. Definitely. You know, I'm a, I'm a storyteller. I like to tell stories and I don't only tell them to other people. I tell them to myself too. Oh, right. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so it is, it is a hard thing for me to, to let go of. And I think that, one of the reasons I have continued practicing yoga all these years is because it, it does help me with that. It, it gets me through my, my fabrications, my ideas of what I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing and what worth I've assigned to all of those things. Right. Um, and that's what changes over the course of your life and in practice it changes. So where you might have an emphasis on one thing in practice for a while, that could shift. Not so much because you shifted it, but just because life shifted it. Mm. You know. So just an example is that, um, like for me now, the primary part of my practice is, is mantra and meditation. I still do awesome every day. Mm -hmm. but it's not got the same priority to me that it had, you know, years and years ago. Yeah. So that, that was just a shift that, that happened. I mean, I used to meditate when I was young, but it was way after asana, mm -hmm. as far as priority. Mm -hmm. and maybe that was the first thing that would get cut, you know, and now it's like the opposite. Gotcha. So the meditation, the pranayama, those, those things, and mantra, yantra, this and this, this is more important to me at this stage of my life. So it's, it can be a natural evolution. It doesn't have to go in that direction, but it did for me, but you know, right. And in teaching the things I like to teach may be slightly different now. Mm -hmm. you know? um, yeah. So that's just a call growing up. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, one day I'm going to do that, Louise. I, I promise. You've got plenty of time. <laughs> you know, you've got <laughs> enough 30 years before you have to really start. Oh, good. Yeah, because you just started becoming an adult. I think I started to grow up around age 65 a few years ago. A few okay. years ago. So you have time. Oh, good. Good. Excellent. <laughs> you remain in your adolescence um, all through your 40s and definitely part of your 50s. Oh, great. That's good to know. That's really good to know. There's, there's less pressure that way. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> So, uh, so let's uh, let's wrap this up, Louise. Um, before we just, you know, turn this into a you and me chatting for the next couple hours. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, so I've been ending all these little interviews with four questions. Uh huh. Um, and so we'll just kind of go through them, and you don't need to think about them very much. Just answer whatever you want to answer, and if you don't want to answer, you can, you know, not answer too. That's totally cool. Okay. Um, so question number one, uh, because I am a very egocentric person by nature, um, do you have anything you'd like to ask me? Yeah. Uh, when are you going to cut your hair? I don't know. Well, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I know there, you know, there's a couple different camps going on in my life right now. There's the hair cutter camp. There's the hair just grow it down until it's at your butt crack camp. There's, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know about that. Camp. <laughs> it takes too long, maybe. Yeah. And we'll, then you might really have that Krishna thing going on. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. I have to, I have to like, play with it and figure out. I have to consult the stars, you know. What are you doing with it in yoga, though? Are you? I just put it up into a little man bun, you know. Yeah, that's pretty much what you have to do with that length. And it and it is nice because now I can I can futz with it when I need to take a break, you know. If I'm if I'm going through the third series arm balances and I oh, really need to, need to take a rest, I just, I just yeah, yeah 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 I just have to take my hair out and be like, oh, it's my hair's fault. It's not yeah. That's easy. always good. <laughs> and clothing adjustments can work also. Well, I only, you know, you know me, I wear tight little short shorts. That's it. So there's no adjusting. Well, I mean, you could like put a shawl on or tie your hair <laughs> up with a shawl or, you know. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> ah, so, so, no, but on a more serious note, um, I mean, you've been teaching for a while now. Where do you, do you feel like it's changed for you? Or, or is different than when you first started teaching asana or same or do you it feel is. like teaching asana or do you feel like it's going in uh, broader directions it it is going in a broader direction now which i'm very happy about because i mean i started the program i have down on bleaker street what six years ago something like that now oh, and, right. um, and you know i started that program with one person no one my wow. first day teaching one person showed up <laughs> and uh and now of course it's a very healthy you know my sort of program i teach for five hours in the morning um and you know you're like totally in charge of it now right and i'm and i'm very in charge yeah i am i I'm mean before but i mean i think there was other yeah there were other stuff going on now now i'm the i'm the dude and uh but it's, uh, it, you know, it takes a while to kind of build a community um, where, 
I trust them enough and they trust me enough to go into this yoga thing in a broader sense. And it's yeah. not just these physical postures and breathing exercises that we're doing. Right. Because then you, because then you, when you go into it in a broader sense, you, you're sharing something and you're sharing something that's very personal. Yeah. That's, that's again, why the small groups are nice. Yeah. There's a sense of protectedness in the room. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. You know, my method is to go in through the, through the in practice quite often, you know, Mm -hmm. and rather than just say like, we're going to meditate or we're going to do mantra yantra. Of course I can always just chant through the, through the physical practice, which I know was one of the things you hated most of all about my classes when I would break into mantras during your yeah, you used to say to me, well, you're not going to start chanting in the middle of Surya Namaskar, are you? Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Louise is a fan of using mantra instead of counting yeah. breath. To yeah. count up time, she uses mantra. But, uh, oh, the Chinjaya mantra for five breaths, Gayatri, these types. Which is totally fine, except Louise also <laughs> is a very slow <laughs> mantra reciter. And so you would be in some god-awful position and yeah. just be going on with the Gayatri <laughs> mantra for, you know, 12 breaths, 15 breaths would go by. And <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of my version of falling asleep during the count. Yeah, oh, that's the other thing. I'm so glad that, uh, you know, Louisa teaches these really amazing yin yoga classes, which if you ever get the chance to study with her and you get to take her yin classes. They are incredible. Thank you, Michael. Was it you that said to me that your yin is pretty young? Yeah. It's it's yin for ashtangis is what I call it. It's it's different than any other yin class you're going to get. I really love that. I love that. And, you know, you, you know, if you have students right now during this whole crisis, that need to do something chilled out. I think it would be good to give your private people or your people who are looking for something a little less intense during all of this. I mean, it's a good thing to do. I think so too. I've been doing it. I've been doing three impostures every morning before my, my actual, uh, my Ashtanga sequences um, just to get me like in a state for, to be able to do things. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, um, so enough about me. Uh, <laughs> uh, second question: um, What what do you think is the best thing about how our society is practicing yoga at this time? Um, well, I mean, I think there's a move toward uh, heart opening now, mm. which is maybe not so obvious with all the ego, but beyond that people are getting sick of that other part now so what i've seen in the last few years is that people are looking for uh something more real they are looking for authenticity they are looking for what some people i don't really like to categorize it as feminine and masculine but uh some people are saying a feminine approach i think it's more just a heart-centered approach and I feel that um, there is a real acceptance of that happening now. 
in the last few years and go and continually that people will want to uh go beyond the physical beyond the sort of body beautiful thing one part of it is that the whole ashtanga if we're talking about ashtanga that whole community of practitioners is getting older now mm -hmm. they've had kids a lot of them which totally shifts your focus from oh it's all about me to completely something else so i've i've seen that there's a lot more um reality creeping in i think just generally Great. i mean to be positive but you know it's not all negative you know about mm -hmm. it's all become a big business that is true people are burned out on that now people don't want to go to a studio where nobody knows who they are or what is or what pose they stop at or anything else about them I right. think people are just over it and people are saturated. So, so there is a move toward, uh, toward, toward real yoga, toward open heartedness, toward meditation, toward letting go, like snipping off some of the garbage that we're just hauling around on our back, you know? Great. So then what do you think is most lacking about how we are practicing yoga now? I, I think it's unfortunate that uh, we're so defined into um, like I do this type of yoga or that type of yoga and you know instead of it's a spiritual practice and the way I relate to it is this or that I mean you can incorporate different facets of yoga and you need to mm -hmm. um, so, so that's kind of unfortunate that, that it, along with all the other stuff we already talked about, like it's becoming big glitzy business. We all know that, but, um, it, you know, there's, there's like a division of, well, you, if you do this yoga, you can't also do that. Or are you a meditator or are you an awesome person? That, that kind of dichotomy has to go. Mm, yes. So, so, you know, sometimes when people ask me, well, what, what, what kind of yoga do you teach? I mean, I'm kind of at a loss. <laughs> I was like, um, just yoga. You know? <laughs> That's just, a good answer. <laughs> you know, just like trying to move toward freedom. Mm. You know, trying to have a spiritual life. I mean, you know, toward wisdom. Yeah, yeah. I would say the best definition maybe of just, I'm like this, and this is what we do in my class, and this is my style, and mm -hmm. I've gotten a little out of control. <laughs> cool. And then last question, uh, where do you see our yoga scape? What do you think it's going to look like in 10 or 20 or 30 years? What's, gonna, what's practice going to look like? Yeah, what's the future hold? I think and I hope that it'll be a more incorporating, um, like I said, just, just heart in, into the whole thing. Just really not being embarrassed to have a spiritual practice. Understanding like that, that's really the point of life. And, and you, know, we're all, you know, things like that. And I think that it's possible. I, I feel like right now it's maybe people think of it as a bleak time or a hard time but i do feel like it's a transformational time and i've been feeling like that even since before the most recent crisis here is that there is uh a, a new paradigm coming globally i have felt mm -hmm. 
And, um, you know, I think people are starting to drop their bullshit a lot. I hope. We can hope. We can hope. We can hope that, that in 10 or 20 years. Yeah. So I'm thinking that maybe, maybe, um, I think it already has happened that, you know, having a practice is more, is much more common now, mm. you know, so it's not a, a kind of thing that you have to be apologetic about. It's just that it has to be broader. It has to incorporate more. Great. Yeah. But I, I think in general that we can be hopeful about the future. Good. Excellent. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Louise. This was such a treat for oh, me. You're welcome. I'm sorry I can't see you. Oh, uh, well, it's okay. But we will be able to at some point. Yes, at some point. We shall we shall figure it out. We have we have time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have time. Think <laughs> <laughs> so, you're gonna be able to start going back to regular classes, do you know yet? I have no idea. Um you know, the next date we're looking at here in New York is May 15th, but I do not anticipate that there will be a broad opening things of things on May. I mean, like, how can you do a Mysore class and do distancing? I mean, that's crazy. I'm, it can be done. I mean, you know, you use your words a lot, just like you yeah, do. You teach the way I do, kind of sit over in the corner with a cup of coffee. Yeah, exactly. That's... You know, every once in a while, drop a pearl of wisdom. That's right. That's right. I just have to, I just have to gather some more pearls first before I can do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll, we shall see what the future holds. Okay. But thank you so much. Welcome and hello to everybody in New York. Oh. That knows you. me. <laughs> cool. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.